My friend Sean Tonamera is back. Guajira Santanamera. <laughs> there he is. Uh, your microphone's Is back. Welcome back, man. We did this podcast once. This is our second go, and we had a lot of fun. Yeah. You and I are good friends, and yeah. we have these amazing phone conversations. And I was like, hey, let's let's get these on a podcast. First, I got to talk about our sponsor because today's podcast is sponsored. So let's face it, after a night with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day. That is until I came across Z-Biotics. Z-Biotics was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. So just remember to make Z-Biotics pre-alcohol your first drink of the night. Drink responsibly and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Zbiotics has provided a special discount code for the five o'clock audience. It's Theral, T H E R A L. Use this discount when checking out and receive 15% off your first order. And now on with the show. So, you know, happy 2024. It's a new year. What are your thoughts this in 2024? I mean, there's so much going on in the world right now that is really upsetting. Um, talk about what's but, going on in the world. Uh, maybe further in. Look, um, you're 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 wondering about this. Let me um, let me pick it up. So um, yesterday, I have to say this is one of the best days in American history, um, probably ever since Taylor Swift became president. But this was the Senate Judiciary Committee having this hearing with the CEOs of social media companies. Oh. Did you catch that? I didn't. Um, it was either yesterday or the day before the uh, the news was about, um, like, there's been the first human neuro link. Oh, you got to tell me it, about that. Implantation. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is Elon Musk's company, right? And yeah, you, where they, they put a, a link on that, and I, I haven't read it. We'll see how it goes, because I'm pretty sure... Neuralink was rather notorious for killing a bunch of chimpanzees at, uh, I think it was UC Davis, um, around this time last year with, with their experimentation. So the fact that they've gone ahead and put one into a human is surprising. So what is a Neuralink? They hype it in all kinds of ways, like it, you know, that it could potentially solve issues with uh, like ALS and similar conditions but also that it could allow you to control things with your mind instead of your hands when you say the term brain transplant you implant. know that's a implant implant so that's that's the key word implant versus transplant because you know with hearts we'll transplant um but of course with the brain transplant uh is it the same person no mm. oh now we're on to uh theory of mind to a degree right. right so yeah that was that was interesting news you know I, I i gotta read that um the the hearing the congressional hearing just to see zuckerberg up there the ceo of i've never seen the ceo of snapchat and mm. i've heard about the new ceo of x 
right? Who came from NBC. She was the only woman up there. And then the CEO of oh. Discord was up there and the CEO oh, wow. of, of TikTok. Oh, I did see a little bit of that because he, he, he kept having to uh, reassert that he's from Singapore, not China. Someone was asking him if he was associated with the Chinese Communist Party. And he was like, <laughs> no, I'm from Singapore. Uh, that's, he, that's where he gets the most flack. Um, but most of the hearing was about the danger for young people social media and the danger for young people. Mm. And it was just so nice to see, you know, Democrats and Republicans united on something these days. I mean, it was absolutely unanimous. <laughs> unanimous. Every senator was going after those CEOs. Uh-huh. And it looks like finally, maybe, you know, some regulation of big tech could pass. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, the EU has always been pretty uh, stringent about that type of thing. And I, I feel I feel very fortunate that um, I didn't have too much tech exposure in my life as a young child. Mm. So, you know, I was playing with my dog. I was down at the beach. I mean, as you know, my early childhood, I, I was on this idyllic island off the coast of France. Oh, you mean England? <laughs> no, you mean Guernsey. Our our rival island is Jersey, of which uh, New Jersey is named. It always cracks me up when I meet someone from New Jersey, and they've never even thought about where old Jersey is. Mm. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't. And, and Jersey how many was people, until I watched a BBC series. Um, and how many you people know, that took place during World War Two? The Germans had occupied Jersey. But the local people were, you know, trying to <laughs> push back in every little way they can. And in this series, uh, you know, a young woman from Jersey falls in love with a, a German soldier. So, you know, they love to oh. stress all of our moral uh, issues with there, movies. Uh, I forget the word for it, but it's in uh, French patois because those islands, you know, they speak, most of the people speak both English and French. Um but there was, yeah, there was a word for the women that fraternized with the the German occupiers. But my, yeah, my early childhood, instead of you know playing games on a tablet or you know whatever my niece is up to, um, I'd be down on the beach, and and then on the cliff tops above me would be these giant cement gun turrets from the German occupation. Mm. I guess it instilled in me from an early age, both a, a love of nature and an interest in history. Well, you are a polyglot. I mean, I love talking to you about history or ideas. So um, you're not that old. Do they have tablets yet on Guernsey? I'm sure they have They have tablets and smartphones over there. They're not. <laughs> okay. So look, I, I um, this, uh, this hearing yesterday is a big deal to me. It, it was really, really satisfying because I think these guys have basically been crooks. Zuckerberg. Mr. Sugar Mountain. Et cetera. So to see these senators going after him, you know, um, Republican Senator Tom Tillis, you know, this is the guy who was holding up military confirmations all year. Oh. Um, so he said, look, folks, we can regulate you guys right out of business. <laughs> so to hear a Republican say that was really <laughs> interesting um uh and then he said so either you come to the table or you're on the table oh which was which was witty nice yeah there was some good stuff lindsey graham 
said that uh, they had blood on their hands. Wow. That was very provocative. So we can quote him now, you know, when we feel that way. I, I do think with the whole Myanmar, you know, inciting okay. to genocide in Myanmar was absolute, absolutely on Facebook's hands. But we have seen we have seen the social media companies accept that there needs to be moderation, right? Because back in the old days, they were like, hey, it's up to whoever posts on us to moderate their content. And now they've accepted that they got to moderate, which is, you know, that's a step. And then these senators were we're basically trying to say, hey, we're going to pass this legislation. You'll get more out of it if you help us um, mm. and call off your armies of lawyers who've been stopping it. Well, as far as moderation goes, Twitter, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to call it by its new name because that's ridiculous, um, has gone the opposite direction. Interestingly, you- the CEO, Yakarina. Uh, um, was saying yesterday that she ported, she she supported most of the legislation, whereas the other CEOs wouldn't. Mm. So I found that interesting, you know, with Elon Musk's total independence. Um, but some people point out, for instance, that a lot of criticism of Elon Musk himself has been suppressed. Yes. Well, I, I use Twitter more than I'd like to admit, and it's definitely gotten a lot worse since mm. he took over. Dear friend Let's do some of, poetry. Actually, yeah, I've got got. Uh, oh, it's yeah, it's Byron, um, Lord Byron, 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 Byron. Not a bisexual, not a not a bisexual Ronald, uh, <laughs> Lord Lord Byron, um, who I okay. believe went to fight in Greece for the uh, Greek independence movement. So you know, a poet, but also someone with skin in the game. Um, I'm a bit of a stickler when it comes to poetry because I, I think I'm, I'm coming around to free form, right? Where you just don't worry much about rhyme or meter. Okay. But for years, I've generally been a bit pedantic that you have to have solid, you have to have a solid meter and or solid rhyme. And a, a piece that sticks in my mind is, um, the Assyrian came down like a wolf on the fold and his cohorts were gleaming in purple and gold and the sheen of their spears was like stars on the sea when the blue wave rolls nightly on deep Galilee. Like when you... Dude, that sounded like a rapper. That's why you like... That's that's, that's why you like rhythm. I, yeah, I got into rap. You're you're in, like in, rapping Byron. In, in I got into rap before poetry and I, but I, I realized... When I was, you know, when they tried to now and then in high school and whatnot teach kids poetry, they they didn't emphasize how a lot of the classic poems are, you know, before recorded material. So the whole point is that if you saw it on the page, you could feel the rhythm. Like the, uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey in ancient Greek are in, I believe it's dactylic hexameter. So there's a there's a rhythm to that's how they maintained it as a you know it was it was an oral legend for centuries before it was ever written down. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, so I would say the the Iliad and the Odyssey are kind of an ancient form of rap. Okay, I, I gotcha. Um, you got to do that for me sometime. You know, pull up the Iliad and rap it for me. I won't put you on the spot now, but actually, in, I in am, ancient Greek. <laughs> It's been uh, a while since I've 
studied ancient Greek. I can't really. Well, no, I was thinking to do it in ancient Greece itself, you know, wrapping up their own oh. Parthenon. <laughs> that... We could call you, uh, call you part or Parthy. Oh, uh, oh no. My brain Pithy is part. In, like, Pithy in, Parthy. Like, in like five different directions now. Um, I, <laughs> well, I that's can the totally, whole idea. Of I, I can totally picture Kanye West on the Parthenon, ra- rapping about how he's at the Parthenon. <laughs> <laughs> and then also now I'm thinking about the Elgin Marbles, you know, in the British Museum, right? Whether those should be returned. Oh yeah, that is that is a controversial. I'm for returning, um, but I just had a line from Kanye West come to my mind. So it's you know, it's like uh, I'm feeling whimsical. Let's go to classical. Mm-hmm. something like that <laughs> is that an actual kanye line <laughs> no I, I love rap no 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 i was imagining kanye on the parthenon i was going with you okay? oh gotcha classical gotcha. grace so you know the thing about rap, i love the rhythm and rap and and the the sensuousness of these words you know shooting out it's just when they start you know motherfucking me and telling me to go to fucking hell and all that i you know i just like why should i listen to this so i'm not a big rap fan yeah i would 90 uh, percent of it is awful there's like a, a low bar of entry but the stuff that's good is really good my gun my money my bitches type of stuff so you know what i mean but on to poetry i've actually been reading more poetry lately I've kind of rediscovered poetry so what do you what does that mean i mean don't we always read poetry well i actually kind of gave up on it for a while when i was um getting heavy into philosophy Mm -hmm. because it it just wasn't satisfying me in that it was not precise and direct and clear so the whole thing with poetry is to be ambiguous and create this kind of mystery um and when I discovered philosophy, I was just, it was, it was the best thing ever. You right, know, people you, being precise and meaning what they said. Right. And um, I mean, some philosophers are considered to be quite poetic. I've, I've been told that. Um, very few. That in, in the original German, Nietzsche is very poetic. And that's what a lot of his appeal is. So um, oddly enough. Oddly yeah. enough, that there's a tie-in with Kanye West here because, right, he did that song uh, where he sampled, was it Kraftwerk's, um, you know, that, that which doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. That line yeah. is ori- originally Nietzsche. That's and Nietzsche. In, and mm-hmm. and it, in, uh, my German is terrible, but it's something like, was mich nicht anbringt, macht mich starker. Right, there's a... Alliteration. That, 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 yeah, there's like poetry to that. And apparently a lot of Nietzsche's writings were that way. That another thing I like isn't exactly the correct word, but uh, another thing I find interesting about that line is how often people quote it, not knowing the origins and not knowing that Nietzsche himself had to give up his professorship because he had neurosyphilis and he spent the last years of his life you know, almost as a homeless person. So that which oh, didn't that's kill him, the way you see Nietzsche. Okay, that right. that that which didn't kill him did not make him stronger. That's probably the way he saw it too. I've heard a different version. He was 
He started to get headaches. It's very true. You know, his health deteriorated. He was one of the early youngest people ever hired in, in, you know, to get professorship. I think he was like 24, 25. Mm -hmm. Um, But then by the early thirties, he's already out of there. And here's the important thing. He does get a pension. Okay. Oh, okay. And he's able to live on that the rest of his life. So yeah, he didn't have a ton of money. But he was able to go up there in the mountains in Switzerland and get his headaches and come up with book after book. So I don't feel so bad about him. The other stylist was um, David Hume. Mm, go on. Well, he just wrote in a, a, a lovely, uh, had a, a really nice, um, I think Kant called it the combination of subtlety and grace. Oh. Uh, and Kant would because Kant was a notoriously bad writer. <laughs> now, I don't feel that way because reading it is absolutely gorgeous. You know, I mean, the ideas are so powerful that, but according to experts, you know, it's it's too much uh, moving rocks around to get to the good stuff. Tell you what, I'll read some Kant if you finish Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, no, no deal. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> When I told you to read, if you really want to miss out on Cod, that's you know that's. Uh, when I told you to read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I told you that it was only you know about two hundred pages. Like it's it's short as far as novels go, and it's a classic. And you said, oh, "I read I read five hundred page pieces of the philosophy all the time. I'll have no problem getting through two hundred page novel." And somehow, well, it pissed me off, you know. And uh, by the way, I don't believe in getting through something. I believe in pure ecstatic sentences, one after the other. Well, which I think Hitchhiker's Guide is. I, okay, give it, us your it, give us your pitch for Hitch. Oh, well, it hardly needs to be said. It, it, if people know about it, it's a it's a absolute classic of satirical sci-fi, and I think there's lots of philosophy woven into it. I guess you didn't like what from what you've told me before. I don't think you interpreted the philosophical threads the way most people would. Well, I like that he uh, weaves philosophy into it, and he's a very philosophical person. I just happen to, you know, he just happens to be on the wrong side of philosophy. What's the wrong side of philosophy? <laughs> well, and in a very boorish way. Well, he's um, he's what I would call a positivist. Mm-hmm. You know, like. And, and here's the thing about novel writing. So, so again, you know, once I started reading philosophy, even if I was reading a positivist, they would sit there and they'd put their arguments forth uh, one after the other and very clearly. When you're writing a novel, you can kind of propose an argument and then kind of propose another argument, and you don't have to come out and commit. Well, that's the whole fun of it. Well, no, I think a great novelist will absolutely commit, like Tolstoy. He had his his philosophy on morality, which he absolutely committed to. And he uses the characters to tease this apart. He doesn't use the characters to hide himself. Mm. Have you read Dostoevsky's Brothers? I'm going to no, pronounce this I've wrong. I've never read K- Brothers. Karamazov? No, but I have read Dostoevsky. No, which Dostoevsky have you read? Crime and Punishment? Yeah. I, I had a Dostoevsky phase when I was... 15 or something Uh, oh uh, that's a good age yeah that's a good age i mean as you you could guess i didn't have a girlfriend (laughs) 
Uh, that Dostoevsky, which doesn't kill you, is good for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so can, um, can I read these uh, Terry Pratchett quotes that I that I wanted to read to you? I thought you would never offer. <laughs> Do you know who Terry Pratchett is? Yeah. Okay, good. You're you're not allowed you're not allowed to read any Terry Pratchett until you finish Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide. Oh um, damn. So uh here's I feel a so lot terrible. Here's a lot I'm giving you a hard time about it, but <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide is such a short book and it's so it's so beloved by so many people. It just amuses me that you refuse to finish it. I think you're just doing it to wind me up. Actually, you know what? I bet you have finished it. And you're just pretending you haven't. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, anyway, no comment. No comment. Here's, here's is, a line. From, this is where I would turn to the piano and play, you know, uh, some jazz chords. <laughs> All right, here's a line from Hogfather. Um, Many people are aware of the weak and strong anthropic principles. The weak one says, basically, that it was jolly amazing of the universe to be constructed in such a way that humans could evolve to a point where they make a living in, for example, universities, while the strong one says that, on the contrary, the whole point of the universe was that humans should not only work in universities, but also write for huge sums of money books with <laughs> words like cosmic and chaos in the titles. And they are correct. The universe clearly operates for the benefit of humanity. This can be readily seen from the convenient way the sun comes up in the morning when people are ready to start the day. The uh, UU <laughs> professor, UU stands for Unseen University. It's the um, uh, wizard university in Discworld. The UU professor of anthropics had developed the special and inevitable anthropic principle, which was that the entire reason for the existence of the universe was the eventual evolution of the UU professor of anthropics. But this was only a formal statement of, of the theory, which absolutely everyone, with only some minor details of villain name here, nature, secretly believes to be true. <laughs> oh, that's uh, fun. <laughs> and then, uh, relatedly... Um, I was able to find the uh, what do you call it? The like the little blurbs about an author that's on the the back of a book. Okay, the bio. Yeah, I, I remember that some of Terry Pratchett's. Uh, I had to get rid of my collection at one point, but I remembered that a lot of his were really hilarious, and I was able to wait find a minute. One of them. You're promoting this author, and you had to get rid of his collection or your collection of him. Well, because you know, I, I had some. Have you been rough... under house arrest? I had some rough times in my 20s, and I had to move a lot. I essentially lived out of my suitcase. Um, oh, I didn't. But, I, I, yeah. I knew yeah, you I moved to, around, but you know, I thought you managed to. Uh, no, I had to get rid of most of my I thought you managed belongings. to have a bookcase pretty much where you went. I've got, I mean, I've, I've rebuilt my book collection to an extent. I, I've downsized a couple times in my life. One time I was carpeting my house, and... So I said, okay, I don't need all these books, right? When you recarpet your house, you have to move everything. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible clean out. Um, I don't recommend it. You know, I'm much more for dirty carpet <laughs> <laughs> and keep those books. So I actually regret those. Uh, you know, I, I, I gave like half of them to the um, Goodwill bookstore and I regret it. There's times where I've said, hey, I want to go back to that book. I can't find it anywhere. I'm like, oh, that's one that I downsized. So I just think we should only hold on to books. 
It it broke my heart to get rid of most of my book collection, among other things, instruments as well. Um, Dude, that's sad. But let let let's 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 go there. Let's go there. Let's be. This is the sad podcast. Um, <laughs> no, no, let me. <laughs> uh, you no, know. let's talk more about carpets. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I actually do have a, a ridiculous story <laughs> involving carpets. Carpets are, are too much fun. They're too exciting. Uh, let me finish the. Uh, I've got one more Terry Pratchett quotes. If you. Oh yeah. But this was on you know the um, back of the book cover. You know the little blurb about the about the author. Terry Pratchett lives in England. An island off the coast of France. Where he's, where, where, Ooh, them are fighting words. <laughs> where he spends his time writing Discworld novels in accordance with the very strong anthropic principle, which holds that the entire purpose of the universe is to make possible a being that will live in England, an island off the coast of France, and spend his time writing Discworld novels, which is exactly what he does. Which proves the whole business true. Any questions? <laughs> yeah. So so basically it's satire, right? And this is what it was with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And it was satirizing. It was, yeah, it was basically satirizing a position of philosophy. Um, like the subjective pers- position or, you know, someone who holds for the strong anthropic principle. And what it made me, I actually wanted to hear their uh philosophy their positive philosophy Mm. which is not to say i don't appreciate i do appreciate satire um but you know they were satirizing me so i didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) because my journey um you know in college um to get personal here i became a materialist Mm -hmm. and you know matter is all there is and i i don't I didn't know it at the time, but I, I did. I read Darwin's theory, which, you know, it's a long story why I hadn't read it before then. Um, and my journey is since really discovering philosophy has been to celebrate more of the subjective. And this is the position, actually, I kind of grew up in, right? There's the subjective and the objective. I, so I just thought of a rather offensive joke. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. A Mormon is just a moron with an extra M. Ouch. Sorry. sorry. I mean, you're former Ouch. Mormon. Well, at least we got an extra M you know, <laughs> yeah. out of the deal. If you're a moron, you've got no extra M. Ooh, moron is also the worst word for carrot. For carrot? Yeah. <laughs> Which seems silly because carrots are crunchy, whereas moron is very mushy. A mushy. Sorry, I've, I've I've taken this. A moron very is a mushy vegetable. Yeah, yeah. So I take, took this very lateral. Sorry, continue. Uh, I can't remember. You can't even remember. But oh yeah. So anyway, po- uh, this is why I've kind of rediscovered poetry. It's more celebrating the subjective side. Now this has its limits. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, and so actually thinking about Terry Pratchett and um, who wrote Hitchhikers, I never can remember this guy's name. Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams. Actually, their their satiric approach, their approach by writing a novel, is actually quite subjective. So that's ironic. Mm. Because they're making fun of the subjective. Okay? They, they are such believers in the scientific objective. 
and that that's all there is. And yet they've chosen a very subjective form. Certainly not true of Pratchett. Uh, Douglas Adams died decades ago and Pratchett died maybe maybe 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, how subjective I was gutted gutted when Pratchett died. Um, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, well, he, that leads us he, back to the sad podcast. He, he, he donated uh, a lot of money to um, Alzheimer's research. Okay. He had a rare form of Alzheimer's that affected his, like his occipital lobe, postcortical atrophy is what it's called. But anyway, he like he he couldn't put on a tie anymore, and he couldn't he couldn't type or write anymore, so he had to dictate his last ten novels or something to his assistant. But he was still able to write novels. Yeah, he was still able to. Like his, you know, the, that's incredible. The verbal centers of his brain still worked. It was just his visual processing where he had uh, atrophy. Right. So see the whole question, and, that, and there. that and that that's an interesting thing about the subjective and the objective. If you're clearly the mind is a product of the physical properties of the brain. Otherwise, we would, you know, we wouldn't worry about people driving while drunk because you could just think your way out of it, right? We That's wouldn't a good need example. to. Yeah, we wouldn't like need that. to drink coffee in the morning, etc. Any new bugs you've uh, discovered, been playing with? I call you the bug whisperer. They do seem to like me. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've, I've showed it's you your that. smell. <laughs> well, no, it's because you like Terry Pratchett. I think bugs are are all, you know, in favor of Terry Pratchett. Uh, you're really trying to bug me about this, aren't you? Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Sean Tonamera. Anyone's my my buddy. Wahira. Uh, podcast over and out. All right. Catch you next time. I look forward to it. And you all check out Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic for a better morning after. Talk soon.